Hey everybody and welcome to another episode, episode 84 of How I Built It. In today's episode, I talked to Seth S. Scott about something that's always been of great interest to me, and that's video game development. Seth took a big risk by going to New York City and then going to a sort of boot camp to learn game design. He'll talk about how he built Membrane, a game for the Nintendo Switch. I played it a bit and I'm a fan. It's a bit of a mind bender, pun intended, and it's got a unique style and gameplay. I really like it and I think you should check it out. We'll get into all of that and more, but first, let's talk about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Pantheon and Creator Courses. You'll hear all about Pantheon later in the show, but first I want to tell you about Creator Courses. Creator Courses is a website dedicated to teaching you how to build on the web. Their catalog of courses is continually growing, and it's becoming the best place to learn how to build specific projects with task-based objectives. You will always learn by doing. Currently, you can learn how to use the new WordPress editor with their Introduction to Gutenberg course. Head over to buildpodcast.net slash Gutenberg and use the code BUILDIT at checkout for 40% off. That's buildpodcast.net slash Gutenberg and the code B-U-I-L-D-I-T for 40% off. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, I'm very excited to have Seth S. Scott with me. Seth reached out because he created a Nintendo Switch game, so I'm very excited to talk to him about that today. Seth, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks so much for joining me. Why don't we jump right in it? Because I suspect I'm going to have a million questions. I'm a WordPress developer primarily. I've never programmed on a console or any medium like that so i'm gonna have lots of questions why don't you first tell us a little bit about yourself maybe who you are what you do and and how you came up with the idea for the game yeah so i guess i am a game developer now game designer currently just released this game membrane and you know i grew up in a creative family my dad was an artist and my mom was a musician and i kind of grew up playing doing a lot of art, but also playing a lot of games and video games and sports and stuff like that. And, you know, games were always a part of my life. And it was something that I always did for pleasure, but also was something that I wanted to kind of try and create or come up with stuff on my own as well. And I became, after after undergrad, I became an educator and a teacher for a handful of years. It was something working with kids in various formats, whether it was summer camps or before and after school programs, things like that. I always, that was something I did my entire life ever since I was 14, my first job, and, you know, decided to become an educator, teacher in grade school after undergrad. And, you know, I think that whenever you're working with kids, there's this element of play and fun and and experimentation and, and learning, which is something that I love to do professionally, but also something I enjoy in games. And one of the things I love about games so much is that element of, you know, learning and experimenting. And that ultimately kind of after teaching, I heard about this grad program that I just completed last year for game design. And when I saw it and heard about it, they 
the main thing that drew me to it was their approach, which was different from a lot of schools where it's more of a computer science or programming approach to games. And this school was a, a fine art approach, which was something that I had a lot of experience in. And my wife and I, who's the other half of my team, we kind of put all of our eggs in, in this one basket and decided to you know, make this trip and uproot our lives from New Mexico to, to come to New York and go all in on this program and you know, making games. And ultimately, that led us to, uh, to Membrane, which started as my thesis and then something that we finished after school was done. Nice. So you, you moved from New Mexico to New York to join this program. Correct. Yeah. Nice. And is it New York City? It's in Brooklyn. Nice. Um, But yeah, yeah, New York City. I grew up about an hour north of the city, which longtime listeners will know. I vehemently say that is not upstate New York. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) People in the city will definitely say that, though. Cool. Upstate from them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So uh, you you mentioned that your wife is involved in this as well? Yeah, you know, it's my wife and I have been together for almost a decade now, and we kind of met in our kind of respective creative fields of doing uh, music, which each of us kind of were in bands at the time and in part of this music scene in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And our relationship has kind of been based around being creative together and kind of trying to do whatever we can to be creative every day and ideally do it as a career. So, you know, I was the one that was going to grad school and stuff, but we kind of always have been working together on this idea of, of making games since it, you know, games is really nice because it combines art and, you know, audio and design and it includes a lot of things, you know, that other mediums maybe just focus on one or two sometimes. And so, you know, we just worked on a lot of stuff together and uh, kind of the final push for Membrane was something that we were working uh, in tandem doing and, and polishing up and stuff like that. Cool. That's awesome. So now before we get into the, uh, I like to ask research, well, you know, we'll go research and then like actually building it. Yeah. What was, you mentioned that growing up, you loved video games. What was your first console? My first console was uh, the original Nintendo NES uh, when I was five, late 80s. I think my parents bought one for me. Cool. Yeah. 1989 NES for me as well. I was four. And, uh, (laughs) And what is your favorite console? Wow, that's tough. I would probably, a year ago, I would have just easily said the Super Nintendo. I felt like that was kind of a golden age of this kind of 16-bit games, and there was so much good stuff on there. But the Nintendo Switch, their newest Nintendo, I think is is a really great console, and it's finding a lot of life. And, you know, obviously releasing a game for it, that's exciting in itself. But uh, I'd probably go with the Super Nintendo still and, and then see where we go in a couple years. Awesome. That sounds great. I will say I got my Switch the day my daughter was born, and it has proved to be a really good console for dad gamers because, you know, it doesn't require a whole lot of time commitment. Most of the games and they're fun. Right. I don't have to, like, customize my Call of Duty character in a million ways to be competitive. So it's it's I'm a big fan of the Switch. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, It's a great on the go console. And I think it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, it's finding a lot of support and uh you know financial success which i think is ultimately you know allowing nintendo to really double down and make it a great console which they weren't able to do as much maybe with the wii u i don't know yeah i think that after the the n64 there was a bit of a lull right Uh, the wii was still a great console 
right uh the gamecube that came after right the n64 but i think that you know the switch is is kind of nintendo's like return to greatness greatness so yeah i totally agree so with that in mind i'd love to ask you what kind of research went into this you know did you were you trying to choose between different consoles and you settled on the switch what Mm -hmm. about the idea and and you know kind of putting putting a game together there's a lot that goes into it yeah you know i think one of the biggest things in terms of at least like where we kind of decided to shoot for console wise was going back to you know like growing up and and getting a nintendo and kind of growing up in that era when it was nintendo and sega and there was you know kind of only a couple of these bigger consoles and that was just what kids did and it was super fun and a great age of of video games and so it's kind of a, a lifelong dream i guess to to release a game on nintendo console it was something that as i was you know applying to this program i was thinking of what would be the ideal goal afterwards there was like maybe two or three things and one of them was for sure just the idea of releasing a game on a nintendo console uh was like if i could do that i would feel like it would this whole process would be a success and something that the younger me just you know couldn't even dream of doing in a way and so you know as i was finishing membrane and getting it to a place i was really proud of it and felt it was a solid build not done yet but something that i thought was beyond kind of the initial prototype or initial design stages and felt like it was rounding into form at least gameplay wise i decided to to push and go for nintendo and this was right when the switch was coming out and so i knew that you know they would probably be looking for games and developers and i know that their interest and kind of appreciation of indie devs has been continuing to be more and more prevalent and uh that that kind of led me to think this was the perfect opportunity to go for switch and go for for them as an indie developer great that's fantastic so did you talk to anybody about this, like the the concept or any? You know, you mentioned that this was your your graduate school thesis. I know going through right. graduate school myself, I had an advisor and I had to present to the <clears> class <throat> and stuff like that. How much influence did your class's feedback, your advisor's feedback, have on the game? Yeah, so you know, I can remember back to the first day that I came up with the the very first prototype for this game and something that my classmates and good friends and colleagues at the school were kind of the one of the number one things at least was just play testing play testing play testing and you know if if you're making something or you have an idea for a game you should put it in front of somebody else within the first hour just to see what they say or see what their initial reactions are and continue to just do that maybe not every like hour but like as often as you can and you know any piece of art whether it's a game or or anything as the creator or designer, you have this like idea of it in your mind, what it's going to be like when it's done. And so it can be really hard to put your stuff in front of people and put it out there before it's like the polished, perfect little object. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult, but something that the school and the colleagues that I was working with was saying, especially for games, this interactive medium, like if you're not getting people to play it and find the fun in it right away, that you're going to struggle later on uh, with the core design or just with other stuff. And so, yeah, like I was showing it to people within minutes or within like an hour or two of the first prototype. And those initial reactions, I was super surprised with how differently each player played these first couple levels, which ultimately led me to double down on the 
this creative and uh, experimentation element that is the core of Membrane's kind of puzzle design and game design. So, man, that's really cool. So I love that because being a coder myself, I Mm -hmm. could easily get into the habit of just like putting hours and hours in something and and not releasing it until I felt it was ready, right? But again, hours and hours for me, you know, like I could have a working prototype in a couple of hours probably. You know, that's something in MVP even uh, with with game design. And we'll get into this, right? You have art, you have code, you have whatever, you know, I'm I'm definitely going to ask you about this, but there's a lot more facets to just than just me writing a web app. I imagine I don't want to diminish writing a web app, but it's not writing a game. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, it's it's something that is, you know, I think the the beauty and also the one of the hardest things about building games and is all of those elements, yeah, coming together and trying to find, you know, this balance between all of them. Obviously, depending on what the game is or what you're trying to do, there may be more or less you need in art or audio or even gameplay. But it is a a beautiful thing that's you know super intriguing to me in, in terms of game design is it incorporates all these different elements, artistic mediums as well as that interactive side, which is kind of the the best and coolest but also hardest thing to kind of perfect and get to feel and and play really right. Yeah, absolutely. So, let's do this. Let's talk about I'm going to ask you the title question. How okay. did you build it? So, first, why don't you give us a synopsis of the game? You mentioned it's a puzzle game. It's called Membrane. Uh what's yeah. the goal of it? And then can you go into maybe the if you can break like the game design into stages, you know, here okay. I wrote the code here. We came up with the art. We combined it here, whatever the okay. process is like. This episode is brought to you by Pantheon WordPress 5.0 and the new editor Gutenberg are coming. Are you prepared? Do you want to learn about the changes in advance? Pantheon has gathered resources to help you prepare, including webinars and tutorials. Pantheon has also made it easy and free for you to try Gutenberg with your site before the official launch. That's right, you can get a free account by heading over to pantheon.io slash Gutenberg. Let them know that How I Built It sent you. And now, back to the show. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, Membrane is uh, a creative action puzzle game where you get to build, bend, and break the, the world around you while experimenting to create your own solutions to the puzzles of the game. And the key design element of it was allowing this creative space for the player to experiment and come up with their own solutions and engaging like players' imagination and rewarding that experimentation and imagination while embracing kind of failure as this important part of learning. And so I guess uh, going back to kind of the initial stages, it was originally, you know, I, I built, the game was built in Unity, the program Unity, and it's all coded in, in C, C Sharp. And it was started as this kind of single level room with the, the kind of first tool of, of the game where you get to kind of shoot these little blocks to build stuff. And that was the very first like initial prototype, just, you know, putting players in a blank space and allowing them to build and seeing if that was fun in in and of itself, which, like I was saying earlier, I showed it to a handful of colleagues, and it was great to see how different people 
built and interacted with just that single space, one screen. And that seemed exciting enough for me to move on to the next phase, which was to curate and design like four to five levels that each one had, instead of being a blank space, it had some kind of puzzle aspect to it. So then that was my focus for the next little bit was to build these puzzle rooms and kind of see how people played with those, if it was more or less fun than the single room and and kind of going from there. And at this point, I still hadn't worked on audio or ton of detail in the art. This was kind of where I decided on this simple color palette for the game, which is a little more expanded upon in the final game now, but it's still pretty simple in terms of using only a couple colors because I wanted to design a space that was easily scannable for the player as like they first stumble and see the room. They're not confused like what they can interact with and what they can. It was I wanted players to be thinking about how to solve this stuff and not thinking about like what even is going on here and what can I do. So that was kind of these within these first levels where that color palette started to kind of turn into what it is now. And so after that, I continued to, you know, those those first four rooms went over pretty well and it, they were working together and players were enjoying them. And so I continued to just design levels and, and figure out what other stuff I could put in this game and what other environmental contraptions or interactions I could make for players to to play with and, and learn learn about. And so then I just kind of worked on that for a couple months and really, you know, figured I'd I needed a handful of levels to see kind of how this arc to the game started to form and how players would play it over a longer period of time than like five minutes. Yeah. Cool. So I have a couple of follow-up questions there. Okay. First, so as as far as elements for putting a game together, we're looking at graphics, right? We're looking at right. audio. We're looking at the, the code, of course. What am I missing, right? Those are the kind of big three I can see. Right. Um, what else? You know, it's I know you have like different images and stuff like that, but you're not like you're animating the images with code, right? You're not like creating animated GIFs or whatever to throw in the game, probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have this element of visuals, audio and code or programming stuff. You know, I using Unity, like I said earlier, there's a lot of tools within that mm-hmm. to to do animations or to do, you know, lots of different stuff, whether it's UI or how, you know, just the general game flow is, how, you know, scenes interact with each other, how the audio works, how the animations work, all that type of stuff, which is a great tool to use for that. And I think it's very, you know, besides it being widely used and there's lots of documentation, you know, it's you can use it and then like export your projects to multiple platforms, which is kind of one of the best things about it in a way where it's, you know, you're not just making this and it can only be playable on this. It's, you know, you have the ability to kind of release in, in multiple outlets, which is very nice. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense, right? Because that was kind of my next question is you can right. export this code to multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. How do you, so how do you test that? You know, can you test it on your development machine? And then once you feel it's ready to kind of export to the switch, you do that? Or is there some other testing environment that you set up? Yeah. So you know, one of the, I guess, the basic things, like if you just go download Unity and start working on something, you know, you can export it straight to an executable or a build that you can play on a whatever PC or Mac you're using to use Unity. 
And, you know, that is a quick way to build prototypes quickly and then export them. I mean, obviously you can play them within Unity itself, but sometimes you need to build it out Mm -hmm. for certain, to test certain things. But I have done some mobile game development as well. And you can hook up mobile devices, iPads or or phones or Androids, stuff like that, uh, directly to the computer and then test those within Unity as well, which is really nice. And then Obviously, if you're going a step further and developing for consoles and, and hardware specific stuff like Nintendo or Sony, other consoles, Xbox, stuff like that, you can get specific tools and stuff you know, that are specifically just used for that hardware to be able to test or implement certain elements that, to make sure it runs on those consoles or devices. Gotcha. So you don't do you necessarily need that you should probably have the console, but do you necessarily need the console to test? Yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, like I was, once I kind of got this, once everything was settled with Nintendo and we knew we were going to be developing for the switch, you know, I was able to get access to tools, obviously to make sure it ran on their hardware and stuff like that. But, you know, I still did a lot of just the development to finish the game within unity itself outside of those tools. And then, you know, once I knew that the game was pretty solid, then I could work to make sure it specifically worked and interacted with Nintendo stuff. And part of that was my own, I guess, mindset in terms of like, hey, I might want to release this on Xbox or Sony in the future or on Steam. And so, you know, I don't want to finish the last 30% of the game specific to one piece of hardware. And so I was, you know, working with the game within Unity to make sure it's like, design and feature complete for the most part, and then taking it a step further for each kind of individual branch off of that if I wanted to make it work for this or that or, you know, stuff like that, which I think is a good, you know, practice. You obviously don't want to, if possible, design something that's only going to be able to be used on one outlet and you're kind of limiting yourself from the forefront, which is, you know, can can be good or can be bad, you know, depending. Yeah, absolutely. So. That was testing. We talked a little bit about development. Yeah. I know if I have a side project that I want to code up, I'm very inclined to just jump in a code editor and start laying down code. Right. I suspect any, I mean, a good software project, right? Like I shouldn't do that Mm -hmm. for my side project. I should plan out a little more, but I suspect for a game, you're going to want Mm -hmm. to plan that out a little bit more. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I think that you know, prototyping and quick kind of iteration on on ideas or designs is probably one of the most fun things mm-hmm. to do in game design. Just like, oh, I have this random idea about making a game about blah or this. And then like jumping in to Unity or in, you know, into any other program or any other kind of way that you can make something and just spending a couple hours and like throwing it together, it might not be the prettiest code or might not be the best art assets and just like seeing if that's fun. And, you know, that's the best thing to do. It's the most fun because you're not just like stuck on this one project and kind of focusing on this one thing and making it perfect. So, you know, sometimes I think there's benefits to creating one thing that a lot of us and colleagues at the school would do is kind of create these scripts and these kind of packets of things that we knew could be used in multiple formats. So like, hey, this is a player controller script and I can write this and then I can use it for quick prototyping and I don't have to like rewrite this code over and over every time. And then since Unity is a graphic uh, 
like a graphical interface to you know work with games it's not you can write stuff in code that then you can use within the unity kind of editor itself to fine tune those scripts so it's something i think is really good to do if you're going to want to prototype and try out ideas is create a set of scripts that you know you're going to use for player controller or camera interaction or item collection like there's lots of little things you can do to save a lot of time down the line and a lot of like bad code errors that you're going to do when you're rushing stuff. Absolutely. So these tools kind of let you fail fast is something I heard recently, right? You you yeah. have an idea, you want to put it to to the test and then the sooner you find out if it's not viable, the less <laughs> time that you waste, right? Exactly. Yeah, failing fast and finding the fun. Those are ideas I think creating stuff in general, but especially with games or interactive media, it's like that is the one of the key points that I think is important because if your game's going to fail, it you know you want to know it sooner than later. Or if this interaction, like people are just not going to get how to use it, you want to know that soon before you yeah spend ten hours making it look great. So, yeah, yeah, gotcha. So we're coming up on time, and I, I want to ask this one question before I get to the last two. Sure, yeah, and that is it has to do with the ratio between gameplay hours and game development hours right so people will talk about how like 10 hours isn't long enough for gameplay i think 10 hours is fine you know as i play it and quickly and i I feel good for completing it but right i'm also playing super mario odyssey right now i've had to have sunk hundreds of hours into that game and i'm like not even remotely close Um, (laughs) yeah so with your game you know about how many hours of gameplay are there versus how many hours you spent developing it roughly right yeah this was something i've been talking about with a couple different people both just friends and also some other people i've been talking to online and the idea of games having you know this a lot of their worth based on hour count is something that it's obviously obviously it's prevalent in the gaming industry right now and some people are like oh yeah you know, games aren't this long, it's not worth $60. If games are this short, it should only be $10. And I think a lot of, maybe not just all big like AAA game companies, but a lot of games nowadays are being designed around this idea. They're just going to make the game like endless and have all this weird content and these things and like impossible collectibles because it's a developer being like, there's no way that players can complain about the game length because this is, <laughs> so there's no way they can say it's not worth $60 because I have 1,000 pieces of paper you got to find in our world or something like that. Right, um, right. You want a but, lot of hours of gameplay. I'll show you a lot of hours of gameplay. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to show you so many hours of gameplay <laughs> that you're never going to beat our game. Right. And I, you know, something that even just as a, let alone as a designer or gameplay designer, like as a fan of games and whatever i i'm like kind of just against that and i don't yeah like i like a game like breath of the wild or mario odyssey where there's lots of content and things to explore but i also love beating a game and being like this was fantastic experience and i can move on from it and go play something else and i find myself especially getting older and having you know harder time playing games like it's something that i don't get to do as often and i think there's very there's something satisfying about you know beating a game or finishing a book or finishing a TV series or something and being able to appreciate it and see its full complete form and move on from it and something I wanted to do with Membrane specifically was create you know this experience that's like a, a nice little bookended 
thing that had a beginning and an end and wasn't going to be something that, you know, players were going to be lost in and hopefully they can beat and complete. And so, yeah, the game, you know, there is this element of creative puzzle solving in the game. So like some times the player, like our account can vary from player to player pretty well, but it seems like it's somewhere between like seven to 12 hours, something like that. Mm -hmm. Depending on kind of if you want to go for everything, get all like the little collectibles in each level could be a little longer. But yeah, in terms of development hours, I don't even know. I was talking to somebody about this and I was like, man, I wish I had some way to keep track like your video game consoles. Like you play this game for 98 hours. I wish that I had a (laughs) somehow I kept track of this. But it seems like, yeah, working on it full time, at least 40 hours a week for a year and probably way more than that. I don't know, hundreds or maybe maybe thousands. That's like kind of depressing, but. (laughs) Uh, it's like definitely a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, It's like ridiculous if you compare the two, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's wild. I mean, obviously you learned stuff that you can now take and put towards new games that probably won't take you as long, but it's just interesting to see that. Right. It's uh, it reminds me of this parks and rec episode. Do you ever watch parks and rec? Oh yeah. love it. So, uh, yeah. So Ben, when he gets laid off, he makes like this claymation thing. That's like two frames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. He shows so, it to them and then it's like literally yeah. four seconds or something. Yeah, right. He's like, I thought this was so much longer. Uh, <laughs> so it's just funny to think about because you do have these like endless games and, and you wonder how long they took to develop. But of course they have a lot of reusable objects probably. It's just like, but Anyway, and, that's, lar- and a larger team probably too. But, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So you have man hours versus, you know, personal right. hours and stuff like that. So right. very cool. I will say to your point about, you know, you like completing a game. There's nothing I love more than than completing a game. You know, it's it yeah. would be like if I finished reading a book and I closed the cover and then all of a sudden the cover like opened again and there was like more book to read. <laughs> I'm like, no, I just finished you. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, you get to the last page, and then on the back cover on the inside, there's like a tiny book with like another hundred pages. <laughs> yeah. Dang it! I yeah. thought I finished this book. Right. Well, now I gotta get. I gotta read this now. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I I've uh, had a great time talking to you today, Seth. I want to ask you my favorite question, okay. which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Mm, any trade secrets? That's a good question. Man, I'm gonna say. I don't know. One thing I guess that is maybe sounds cheesy, but just like if you want to make games, just keep making games, you know, and like just you're not going to you're not going to make the best game, your first game, which I think seems obvious. But it's like you got to make a lot of stuff that is good and a lot of stuff that's really bad. But if you're not making that good and bad stuff and showing it to people, there's no way I think you're going to make it because it's still something that I think myself and even probably I know for a fact people that have been making games for 10, 20 years still struggle with and do and make a lot of stuff, show it to people. Don't just make it and then play it yourself and think it's good or bad. Like get other people's feedback because people will tell you if it's bad right away, but they might also tell you like, Hey, this is awesome. And you're like, Oh, I didn't realize this or that was cool. And you know, that's good too. And it helps you you know, continue to make stuff even on a small scale. Also, kind of in regards to that is like, try and make weird, cool ideas that you have and don't be like, oh, well, this is something, but it's not a stereotypical puzzle platformer, so nobody would play it. Like, a lot of the best games come out of that. So just keep 
making weird stuff. I want to do a shooter, but it's not a World War II shooter, so I shouldn't make it, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, no, just make whatever game you want to play. And if you have an idea, run with it and, you know, see where it goes. Sweet. That's yeah. great advice. That is, that reminds me of advice that my track coach, well, tra- I was on the field part. I'm clearly, you, you can see me. I'm not a runner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, on the field part. And he said, nice. you know, with shot put, he was like, you know, if you want to throw far, you got to throw far. You know, if you want to run fast, nice. you got to like run that. fast. Yeah. It's, so it's good. if you want to do something, do it and and fail and then win. And, and and very cool. So where can people find you and where can people get Membrane? So Membrane is available right now on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's $9.99, $10. And it's currently, I mean, the Switch is not region locked, but uh, it's currently available in North America and we're in the final stages right now of releasing it in Europe and Australia uh, later this month, you can find us on uh, Twitter uh, at Membrane Game, also on uh, Instagram at Perfect Hat Games, on Facebook as well, Membrane Game. Yeah, and feel free to, to reach out, and uh, we love talking to, to friends and fans and anybody of the like. Great. I will link all of that in the show notes and I am going to go download Membrane uh, at the end of my day and I'm going to play it for the Switch. Nice. So yeah, awesome. absolutely. I mean, I kind of have to, right? I'm talking to the game developer. I got to give the <laughs> game a shot. So, And it sounds like it's right up my alley. So uh, I'm cool. very excited to give it a try. Seth S. Scott, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. What a fantastic story. I wish Seth all the best. I would strongly encourage you to check out Membrane if you have a Nintendo Switch. It's a fun and unique game. And thanks to our sponsors, Pantheon and Creator Courses. Definitely check them out. Both are teaching you all about Gutenberg and WordPress 5.0. For all of the show notes, head over to howibuilt.it slash 84. If you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It helps people discover us. You can also join the Facebook community over at howibuilt.it slash Facebook. I want to build a strong community for this podcast and Facebook is the place to do it. Thanks for joining me. And until next time, get out there and build something. Mm